the Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. This is the Unruffled Podcast, Episode 137. This is a podcast about recovery through creativity. We live an intentional life. We thrive. I am Sandra Primo. And I'm Tammy Salas. And we are The Unruffled. Hello, Unruffled listeners. We are popping in at the top of the show to share with you several ways that you can help support the podcast. First, you can become a patron of the show by donating to our Patreon fundraising campaign. Please consider supporting our consistent effort in bringing you weekly content on creativity and recovery, all for less than the price of a latte. For just a dollar an episode, you will receive early access to each week's show as our way of saying thank you. If every listener did this, we would be over the moon. The link to our Patreon campaign is www.patreon.com backslash the unruffled podcast. And that's not it. You can share our show on social media or with your friends, and you can subscribe to the podcast and give us a rating on iTunes. All of this helps our little show immensely. And we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Now on to the show. Hey friend. Hello. How are you? I'm good. Did I you just landed. <laughs> yeah. You do the morning routine. Get, get everybody out the door. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, I'm pouring tea. It's going to sound like I'm peeing, but I just want everybody to know that that's not happening. It's just pouring water. That would be really, uh, <laughs> that would be interesting. I mean, I've peed on a phone call before. I will, yeah. I will bravely admit that, but that would be weird to do it on the, um, while you're recording a podcast. I would never do It'd that. It'd be very hard. Way. You'd have to pick up the whole system and take it to the bathroom <laughs> with you. All right, this is going. We're already starting off on a a weird way. So, um, okay, we're going to do a quick intro today, but I'm dying to know. You saw Lisa Congdon last weekend give a talk. Can you just quickly share, like, what the heck? Can you? I did. I did. So, uh, the Austin Design, blah, blah, blah. I don't, I can't even tell you what organization it was, but brought her to Austin. And I don't really even know who turned me on to that because I don't get her newsletter. Um, and so, but somebody forwarded it to me. Hi friend. If you're the one that did it, I just can't remember who did it. I think I do. I think I remember, but anyway, whatever. Um, someone forwarded it to me. And so, um, yeah, she was giving a talk at, uh, St. Ed's university, which is like a, a private university here in Austin. And, um, yeah, I jumped right on it and bought a ticket. It was a while ago too. And, um, it's like a $10 ticket and, uh, but it sold out real fast cause I tried to pass it on to someone else and I think it was sold. There was a waiting list. Um, but yeah, it was one of the most excellent PowerPoint presentations I've ever seen. <laughs> I bet. What was the name of her new book that she was promoting? Uh, good like, question. It's, find, it's about finding your voice, but I yeah. can't finding your, um, artistic, crea- voice? artistic voice or your creative voice. And okay. I can't, 
That's okay. um, I don't have it in front of me. Finding your artistic voice. Yep. Yeah. That's it. She is, I mean, she's one of the biggest um, influences on me giving, giving myself a chance to make art um, at this age, you know, her being a late bloomer and kind of all the things that she talks about um, and kind of watching her kind of grow over the years. I mean, you and I went to her studio and it was just so awesome when we were in Portland. And uh-huh. I got to tell her that because I, oh. I got bought a book and um, yeah, I told her that, uh, that we went to her studio this summer and she was like, did we talk? Did I talk to you? <laughs> I said, no, it's okay. You, you didn't. So you don't have to feel her bad sister. for not remembering me, but we did talk to your sister and she was lovely. Yeah. Oh, I'm so, I was like, oh, I'm so excited. You get to hear her. I've, I've always wanted to see one of her presentations. It was um, so good. I really, um, like I took mental notes on just how she did that because it was really good. Yeah. It was really good. And I mean, she had, it was polished. Like she had just gotten back from Adobe Max and had given the same talk. So you know that she had, it yeah. was very polished, but. She got just, her shit together. Yeah. But the way she did it the the way visually uh the way it was presented and the content it was funny it was it was good it was just really really good oh yeah good. so if you get to see her she comes yeah. to your town go see her yeah yeah well good I'm glad I know that some of our listeners have gone to see her um talk and so if some of our listeners don't know who Lisa Congdon is she's a visual artist and uh, someone that started making art later on in life, um, in her early 30s, I believe. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Prolific. Yeah. And she is prolific in her art making and her journals. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. Oh, good. I'm so glad you got to see her. Yeah, it was fun. Um, this weekend, my pink studio came down. Oh, yeah. I saw. Yeah. And I was, I was kind of um, thinking I was going to be sad about it, you know, because of course, and I told my husband, I didn't want to be here when they demolished it. Um, I said, I don't think I can be here for that, but not like in a dramatic way, just like, I don't, I don't think I can be here for that. So I had stayed out after my morning meeting and kind of worked at a coffee shop until like two in the afternoon. And I sat there and I was like, I can do this. I'm ready to say goodbye. Like, what am I doing? Am I going to stay gone all day? Cause I don't want to physically see them taking it down. And there was kind of like just this beautiful acceptance of like, yeah, it served me really well. And mm-hmm. I want to go photograph it. I want to go take a few pictures of it kind of, cause it just kind of um, seemed uh, like a beautiful metaphor of like all the things I've been kind of tearing down and working on. And um, that's where it all started was in that little studio for my creativity, mm-hmm. my kitchen table and then that studio. And so it was beautiful. And my son and husband were making a photo project out of it doing a time-lapse they were already on it photographing the destruction of it. Oh, cool. So I came home and I was like, oh, they're doing this. Okay, great. And they work together, which is always nice to see. So by the end of the weekend, um, it was all down except for the rotting foundation that like the floor is going to fall through at any moment. So it was time. Mm-hmm. The structure I've, was falling apart. I've been having a conversation with one of my clients and it's so, I find it so fascinating how inanimate objects can have (laughs) such, Mm. it can draw out such emotion from us. Yeah. And I think I wasn't ready in June when the new studio was built to say goodbye to the pink studio. So I had several people come over. Everybody wants it, Sandra. Everybody wanted that place, but no one could make it happen. 
Yeah. And finally, when the last person fell through and canceled on the day that they were supposed to come with the flatbed and do it, something in me just clicked. And I was like, this is a sign. I've been paying mm-hmm. attention to signs. I'm like, this is not meant to be. I am holding on. What do they say? Uh, let go or be dragged, right? That whole saying <laughs> um, in, in recovery. I was holding on so tight that I felt a little bit like I, I wasn't couldn't get into my new space, but I couldn't work in the old space. Right. Well, and two, you said it had termites all in it. It probably would have fallen apart. As soon as it was picked up, it would have fallen apart. So it was ready to go. It was ready. So that was kind of a big thing that I thought was going to be super emotional. And it really wasn't. It was kind of tender and sweet. So um, promotions. Uh, What do you got? You have anything? This is going to air on the 8th. 18th of November. Do you have anything you want to promote? Um, I don't. Uh, I can still, you know, I'm still selling Change Your Story, the um, mentoring program where I help you bring a creative vision to life, something big or small that you have burning inside of you. Um, As this airs, I don't know if I'll be taking any more clients for 2019, but I certainly will for 2020. And I'm I'm really excited. I'm working on some rebranding for it right now. Some fun stuff. Uh, Lots of testimonials that I'll be posting. And I think I'm going to make a video for it or something like that. And I'm kind of, I got a new computer. Finally, I've had such (laughs) computer drama, but I finally got a new computer and I got a touch screen and I have a pen and I am not afraid to use it. I know. I know. I'm so excited. So I think I'm going to make myself a new logo for it or something. I'm (gasps) excited to play. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Mm -hmm. Very cool. How can people find out about Change Your Story? You can go to theunruffled.com and you can click on the bar at the top and that'll take you to the page that will tell you all about it. Good. I, I have to promote many things that are coming up, but I'm not going to do that in this episode. What I am going to ask is that people sign up for my newsletter. Um, If you're listening on SoundCloud, you can, me and Sandra both have links to our website that are very conveniently located um, on the right-hand side on SoundCloud under the Unruffled podcast. Um, But my website's TammySolace.com. My newsletter subscribers, I'm going to be offering a free webinar at the end of the year about how I do my new year routine, how I get ready for the new year with um, my year ahead spread and with um, calendars and word of the year. And um, that's a promotion. And then I'm doing lots of other things, Sandra. So I'll promote that in the newsletter. I'm creating a sobriety app. I have my proof of life class and my groove course is going on my website and those will release in 2020. So if you want to hear about when all that's coming out and discount codes, if you could sign up for my newsletter, that would be great. Very exciting. Okay, so today we're doing things a little bit differently um, because we're going to do like a little, kind of like a series, right? Mm-hmm. We, we a little put, bit of a series. Yeah, we put out an open call on our Unruffled Podcast secret Facebook group, which if you want to join, you can send Sandra or myself a friend request on Facebook. And um, we have a little secret society over there of about, you know, close to a thousand people. And we... Um, we did an open call and just said, who wants to come on the show and talk about your sobriety and your creativity? And so our guest today um, responded and, and um, her name is Jen Geigley. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is a knitter, an author, a knitwear pattern designer, a graphic designer, and a knitting instructor. 
She's married to a skater, um, extreme sports enthusiast, who is also a graphic designer. Oh, what? How lucky is that household? Okay, mm-hmm. we need to marry a graphic designer, Sandra. <laughs> and they have t- they have two kids: Lotus, who is twelve, and Bowie, who is seven. Uh, Des Moines, Iowa, is the place that she calls home. Art is in her blood. Knitting is in her heart, and she loves to create modern knitwear designs that are easy to wear. She has written and self-published seven knitting books, seven people, and (laughs) her designs have been published in several knitting magazines and publications. She began writing knitting patterns in 20 or yeah, 2010 when she posted a cow pattern on uh, Ravelry and it became, it quickly became one of the most knitted projects on the site with 19 thousand five hundred plus cows made to date that is incredible that's so cool i know she's been blogging about arts and crafts music knitting and life stuff since the dark ages of 2006 originally trained in fine arts and then graphic design she creates her own knitwear patterns illustrates illustrations schematics and graphics uh you can find out more about Jen on her website, jengeigley.com. It's uh, J-E-N-G-E-I-G-L-E-Y.com. And she's on Instagram at uh, same, same name, at Jen Geigley. Oh, this is so cool. Okay, well, we hope you guys enjoy Jen. Welcome to the show, Jen. Thank you. Hello, Tammy and Sandra. Good morning. So excited to talk to you, Jen. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And I, how is the weather where you're at this morning? We do like to talk about the weather a little bit. Yeah, we do. We're oh, shallow. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm in the icy tundra of West Des Moines, Iowa, where we've already had quite a bit of snow. And yesterday it was what we call degree, which means it was one de- degree. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> we wake up and we say it's degree just so the kids know what to wear. And then oh. <laughs> yeah, what, what does one wear? Layers, all your knits. All <laughs> you're gonna get layers. to that. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I can't. <laughs> I won't even. Okay. I won't even describe to you what what's happening over <laughs> here. But I am in Texas, and it's only 35. But yeah, you would think oh. that it was uh, it was degree as well. Cold <laughs> <laughs> for Texas. It is. It really is. It's early cold for, for Texas. So yeah, yeah, it is. It is. And I had a friend tell me that, uh, cause yesterday it was 29 and she is in Maine and she said it was only 28 here or something like that. Like same, same temperature. So then I didn't feel so wimpy. So anyway, but we can move on. From the <laughs> well, you know, I feel like in sobriety, we have to practice the small talk because it drives me nuts, right? But it's necessary to get by in society. So like when we do talk about the weather, I feel like we're practicing. It is practicing. A little True. Bit. It's foggy in California. It's boring. I'm not even to tell you what degree it is here. So <laughs> it's above degree though. Above, way better than here. <laughs> tell me that. Uh, so we are doing this new series with our Facebook Unruffled, our secret uh, Facebook group. And so um, we'd explained before, you know, in the intro about, um, that we put out an open call. So we're going to kind of go through five questions and then we're just going to kind of see where we branch off. And, you know, we like to talk, so we do, but we're going to, we're going to try to kind of stay focused and we'll see what happens. Um, but can you share with our listeners your sobriety date? Yes, it was February 26th, 2018. So I'm coming Ooh. up on two years. You are. 
That's a big deal. Super fun. Yeah. And what, um, if you can, for our listeners, just kind of briefly describe, like, how did you come to the decision to quit drinking? Um, it's kind of a long story. Everybody has a long story. <laughs> um, I guess I, I grew up in the 80s in um, small town Iowa uh, with kind of a troubled childhood, kind of a rough start, and there wasn't a lot to do there. So we, I did kind of start drinking early and... Um, it was also part of like my creative rebellion. I was super into art, super into music, um, kind of signing me up for the rebellion. Let's just do everything um, bad. <laughs> right. Um, how, how old do you think when you started drinking? I was probably 16, 15, okay. 16. Teenager. Okay. Yeah. It was the 80s. Yeah. I escaped in my room, you know, with art and music. And then, um, you know, I looked up to a lot of musicians and artists who use substances. Um, I was kind of an outsider. I hung out with a lot of guys that hung out in the art room. And I wasn't preppy or cool. I, I was just kind of a weird metalhead for a small town. It was kind of, I was different. <laughs> and yeah. I was into art and music. That was just kind of, and then, um, when I was 12, my parents split up and it kind of rocked my world. And we were kind of taken away from my dad who was really important in my life for a while. And it was really hard stuff that we went through. I went through um, some abandonment when my mom was dating this guy who was kind of bad news. And I was kind of left in charge of a bunch of small children. So I became really responsible during that time. But as soon as I got to high school, the kids were old enough and I had just kind of decided to not take good care of myself anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was like the poster child of the grunge movement. This all hit at like the perfect time in my life. Um, so I was like, high school was like early nineties for me and I devoured like Nirvana and metal and like Quentin Tarantino movies and clerks and 120 minutes on MTV. That was like, what I loved, I don't know, that was, I was like the perfect grunge child. <laughs> or teen, mm-hmm. I was there for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a really, I don't know, an important time kind of in arts mm-hmm. and music. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I don't know. I've, I've lived it to the fullest. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, I drank, I started drinking in high school. Um, when I went, let's see. Um, my art teacher was really influential to me in high school, and he's the one who kind of guided me. He's like, you should go to college. You should pursue art. He's like, your style is graphic design, and you will do fine arts with that. And he told me which college. He's like, go look there. Go do it. And I was like, yes, I trust you. And so I did follow his advice. But once I did get to college, um, after I had a lot of rough stuff in high school where I had to actually run away from my mom's home ran back to my dad's home. There was a lot of stuff that Mm. happened during these years that was really tough. And of course I was trying to escape in many ways. Um, I began binge drinking and not eating. And this was something I almost did unconsciously. I feel it just, I just did it. Mm. And just to kind of numb the things I was going through. And then when I, yeah, when I went to college, which I was so excited for to pursue my love of arts and everything, um, I went off the rails because I had nobody watching me. And so I did not eat and I just drank all the time and it got really dangerous. Mm. 
So you had an eating disorder is would yeah. you have called it that? Yeah. I was definitely anorexic. Yes. Mm. And I, I was actually, I went to rehab twice in college, not my choice involuntarily. Um, and I went to rehab for alcohol and for eating disorders, which were separate. So I went to an alcohol rehab and then I'd go to an eating disorder rehab. Like it wasn't, I'm sure nowadays they probably integrate these things because it can be related, but sure. back then I don't think it was quite as understood. Mm-hmm. But, and then did so, you, yeah. did you try to do like AA and try to do whatever they told you to do? Yes. I was into it. I was really trying, um, but it was hard. I hadn't really realized some things yet. I did. I needed more help with my background and what the reasons why I was doing this. Um, and I didn't quite get that. I got some of it, but I did do AA and I did stay sober for quite a while in college after all this. I really got it together, um, but I wasn't totally, I didn't know myself and I didn't want it really yet. Right. Um, but I was proud of my sobriety, but I was just hanging on by a thread, I feel like. And I was young and I was surrounded by everything and it was just a hard time. So I didn't, it didn't stick. And so <clears throat> I, from then on, I, I convinced myself I could drink regularly, like normal people, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then I, I did keep drinking until 2018, except for my two pregnancies. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the pregnancies. Well, yeah, we know we're not supposed to drink when we're pregnant. And, right. you know, it I seems like it's day. interesting that we can do that for that. I'm sorry, my dog's barking. We're just going to have to ignore well, it. That's okay. Um, <laughs> Uh, that we can do that for that. Like we can show up for them in that way. And then yes. when, after I had my kid, I just started drinking again. So it was like, okay, I can take that break. And then I'm all in back in. <laughs> yeah. And so when you were back in, yeah. um, you said you drank pretty heavily, right? I did. Yeah. Um, sadly. And I don't know. I've, I know I've heard other people talk about this, but motherhood is hard. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Um, the ultimate challenge, but it's also the ultimate creativity. There's, there's, uh, it's so interesting. And I love being a mom. I love nothing more, but um, it's a big challenge. And there's just a lot that um, I maybe wasn't ready for or, you know, and then um, later on when I have a daughter who is now 12 and I have a son who is seven, but when he was four and even before that, um, I knew there was something with him that was a little bit different. And he ended up being diagnosed with autism when he was four. And then I did kind of, I have, I hate saying this, but I kind of started drinking a lot after that because I didn't want to think about it a lot and I was having trouble sleeping. And so I would drink to kind of pass out. Mm, I relate to this. My, my son is also on the spectrum and mm -hmm, yeah, he's, he's on the Asperger side of the spectrum. Um, so, Mm -hmm. and he's uh, 16 now. Um, but, but, uh, when he was little, I was a single mom too for a while and, and it was very hard, but you're right. All parenting is hard. All of it's hard. But I think the the thing is we go at it without a lot of support often. And so yeah. we, and because we don't have that support and we don't know what we're doing and we're full of self doubt and anxiety. Um, yeah. Alcohol is the thing that turns all that off. Right. 
And I definitely got into the mommy culture. I belonged to a mommy group, like a play date group, but we drank. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So when I had, when I had my daughter, I was like, just like newly staying home with her, with this baby. And I joined this cool mom's group in our town, which was amazing. I've made wonderful friendships from that group, but we would totally have drinking play dates. We would go out um, without our children a lot and drink at night, drinking and dinner, drinking and drinking, drinking and outings and drinking and weekend drinking things. And it was, I was just like, cool. This is what moms do, I guess. Like, so I did totally buy into that for a while until I kind of woke up. Yeah. So, and what was the, what was the end for you? What did that look like? The end was me being sick, horrible headaches, just waking up feeling so shameful and full of regret. And like, I've done this for too long. I'm hurting my body. My heart was racing all the time and I was making excuses. And I hear a lot of people talk about this. I really thought I was the only one who had my heart racing in the middle of the night, you know, in a sweat, like I'm going to die and I'm going to have to call 911 and it's all my fault. And, you know, but I'm not going to quit drinking, you know? So Mm -hmm. did you think it was other things than the alcohol or did you know it was the alcohol? I'm like, there's something wrong with my heart. Right. Yeah. Yeah, It's like, I'm obviously going through early menopause. (laughs) Clearly it's not. Well, yeah. It didn't occur to me that it was ever the alcohol ever. Yeah. Until the very end, (laughs) but yeah. Okay. So your body was kind of, your body was screaming at you. Totally, totally. And I had pushed it really far where I was drinking a lot. I was drinking secretly. So my husband could not see, I was Mm -hmm. staying up really late and making sure he was asleep before I drank. So, you know, hiding the bottles. And I was like, this is ridiculous. I've been here before. I always told myself and, you know, after college, if I ever get back like this, I'm going to do something because I know how, you know, you think, you can just pull yourself out, but it's not that simple. And then I did really feel desperate. Like, I don't know how to fix this. I can't even go a day without it. I freak out if I don't have it in my fridge. So um, me and my best friend, Emily, had been toying with the idea of sobriety for a long time. And we, we would kind of do like, let's do a week or let's do 30 days or whatever. And um, she finally did say she did hip sobriety school. Mm-hmm. And it worked. And I didn't, and I, and she's like, Jen, go read this website. It is so you, it is so you will relate to this. You will get it. And, um, then I saw her, she got sober for like a year. And that's during that time I had gone a little bit at a time, you know, I tried it out. I dipped my toe in the waters. And then when I did, I, then I did read hip sobriety, the website, I started reading every single thing on that website that was out there. Um, but I do remember the first thing I saw, and maybe it was her Instagram, Holly's Instagram back then. Um, it was the brown square with the type. And it said, it's a rebellious act to quit drinking. And that was like, the that key spoke to you. It's my little rebel. And I'm like, wait a minute, that flips it for me. That makes mm-hmm. it like, wait a second. She's right. You know, like, whoa, life changing. Yeah. So that, and then uh, when I read Christy Coulter's Anjali, mm-hmm. um, that flipped my switch too, because I wanted to be on that side of the pool. I remember she said she was yeah. happy to be on that side of the pool. That was just, that whole thing just stuck. And then I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I am going to quit drinking. I'm totally going to quit drinking for real or good. I'm doing it. I was determined and I was stubborn about it. And then I did it. And yeah, it's been 
really good. Oh, how old are you, Jen? Just so I can ask so our listeners yeah. can kind of gauge. I am 42. 42. Yeah, there's something about getting into your 40s. I mean, I think I started pondering or questioning a little bit when I was 43. I was doing things that I didn't realize were going to take me to quit drinking, but it is this kind of awakening that we have, I think. Um, and we've talked with our, our guest, Natha Campanella. She's an astrologer. We've talked to her about this, about how that age is kind of, we have a spiritual awakening and kind of like, I don't, I don't think I want to keep living my life like this. I know other people could call it midlife crisis, but I don't feel like that's, Sandra <laughs> calls it a midlife solution. Like we kind of figure, start figuring things out. Uh, oh, I'm so glad. Hips are ready. I devoured it too, Jen. Like yeah. every post in the beginning. Yes, over and over again. And it, it worked. Mm. Yeah, oh, I'm happy did. that if that was your way in. That's yes. great. That's great. Um, let's see. So yeah, we want to talk about your creativity too, because I know this is all going to kind of mix together. Yeah. Um, but so that our listeners know, um, what kind of creative medium do you work in? Right now I am very, very, very into knitting and I've done all kinds of fine arts as well. And you know, everything. Um, I'm also a graphic designer. That was like my original training, but right now I write knitting books and I teach knitting classes and I just, live eat and breathe knitting ah <laughs> uh, can we can we just talk about this for a moment yes i, think I cannot okay so i really can't wait until you tell our listeners about your how you've combined uh recovery with knitting because it's it's just brilliant but i have to talk about me for a minute so <laughs> i have always wanted to be a knitter and damn it i can't get it. But I think you're probably going to tell me that anyone can knit. Yes. Any, I've never had anybody fail in like eight years of teaching classes. And I have free YouTube videos. You can go and learn at your own pace and rewind and pause. You know, I'm so going, I, when I saw that you had training videos on YouTube and we will, um, I think we'll definitely put that link in the show notes. But when I saw that you had training videos on YouTube, I, I was, I, I woke up thinking about it this morning. Like I'm totally going to do this. <laughs> I just have to tell you. So my grandma was a crocheter yes, and she would spend the entire evenings on the couch crocheting. She always had like the pile in her lap. And then my fast forward, my, my very good friend and writing teacher, my friend Spike Gillespie is a huge knitter and <sighs> she knits like all the time. So like during uh, writing workshops, she's con she has knitting in her lap and she's knitting the entire time. Yes. And it always looks so appealing to me to have that, that thing in your, for your hands to do. Yes. And it's so portable. You can take it everywhere. Yes. Meditative and repetitive and like the best. Yes. And, yeah. and she's, because of her knitting, she's really good friends with Kelly Deal from the breeders and yes. like, oh my gosh. Yes. <sighs> yes. And it burns me up with jealousy <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> Me too. Me because too. I'm a huge deal sisters fan from yes. again, like you mentioned the grunge and, and, and when I saw Kim deal, uh, play with the pixies and I was, it, and when I was in my twenties, I just about lost my mind. 
And so anyway, I have this, uh, I have this, like, I'm like on the periphery of knitters, but I can't, and I've got knitting things. I have needles, I have books, I have yarn. (laughs) Uh, Do it. Okay. (laughs) Do it. Just do it. I feel yeah. like this season is like it's upon us for doing that, right? This is definitely knitting season. Yeah, this is like my busy time and my favorite time. Uh, I've never attempted. I always like when I look at things like we, like Beverly Baptiste has been posting some things she's been making, and I'm like, oh, she should make me something. I should buy something from her. <laughs> But I never think like I should do that. Like I've never felt called to do that, but I do appreciate it. And I do think I was looking at your website too, before we, um, before we knew, when we knew we were going to talk to you. So beautiful. And all the things that you make. Yeah. And that cowl that went crazy that people are making, like 20,000 people are making. I want that damn cowl. I want to make a cowl. (laughs) (laughs) It's so easy. That is like the intro to knitting project. It really Really? is. Okay. I am making a cow. That's it. Okay. So I have another question. Yeah. So I'm like, I, I don't know if you've seen the things that I make, but I'm, I sew and I'm, I, I am super, the whole like impetus behind what I do is reuse. I, I am really invested in reuse. Do you ever do you ever go to like, cause I know that our creative reuse place here in Austin is just stocked full of yarn. And I know that not every yarn is made the same, but do you ever, do you reuse yarn? Do you use a particular yarn? Yeah, I, I, I'm really attracted to your, like that thick yarn, that really chunky yeah. knit. Yeah. And you can use anything. You can use like clothesline. Yeah, I totally have repurposed and used weird things. Um, and I did actually a whole book of incorporating fine art into your knitting oh. and doing things to it after the fact. So I like would lay a sweater down and I would splatter paint on it. I, I did black denim yarn and I splattered bleach on it. Oh, that's um, so cool. I painted knits. I stamped. I used a stamp and made squares all over a black sweater with white paint. I did some weird stuff, but yeah, I, you can repurpose like Goodwill sweaters and take out, take the yarn apart, put it into oh. a ball and re-knit with it. You oh. can do so many things. Yeah. It's very cool. You can make your own yarn out of fabric. I'm sure you've seen this where you strip the fabric into strips yes. and make, you know, like a rug or yeah, there's so many different things you can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do love but, that chunky yarn too. I really love that. Right. Wool. So, but it can get expensive. It just depends on how you drop into it. Totally, totally. Yeah, there's all price points. You can start, there's really nice yarn that's affordable too. Yeah, there's just, once you get into it, it's like, ooh, you want the cashmere and then, you know, it's a slippery slope. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, once once you start feeling all of that. Well, it's funny, I love the aesthetic too and I I love your website. It's so visual too, all the beautiful photography. But what got me on your website, I gotta say, Jen, the knitting planner. Oh, yay. I was like, oh, there's a planner. There's a guide. What's this business? So is this how you organize projects? Yeah, I always, when, okay, when I write, I write knitting books. And when I'm writing the knitting books, I need a planner for me, like mm. for my projects, for my deadlines, a way to plan the projects, the supplies, the things you're going to need, the things you're going to look for. 
Um, I need graph paper to draw out things. I need sketch pad space. I need like brainstorm ideas space. And then I want it to be beautiful. So I put in some beautiful photographs plus just a normal calendar. I needed all of that in one book. So I put that together last year. Uh, you made the thing that you needed. Brilliant. Yeah. It, it looks so great. It is so graphic. And so it looks very simplified and clean and just doesn't look overwhelming. But yeah, it looks beautiful. It looks beautiful. Thanks. That's awesome. Uh, we're just all in love with Jen here. Um, <laughs> so let's see. So, so you teach knitting students. And, um, and yeah. it sounds like you do it at schools, middle schools, high schools. Do you teach at a shop locally? Yeah, I teach at different knitting shops in even different cities. Um, mm -hmm. They'll have workshops and stuff and I will travel and teach there or maybe I'll be signing books somewhere and I'll do that too. But I love, love, love teaching in my local schools. And I teach at elementaries and middle schools and then high schools. And I even teach at a couple of alternative high schools that let me come during the school day. And so at this one school, we used to do it every Wednesday for a while. Um, and we'd start the day and these kids come from all different kinds of things that morning, you know, and we do this meditative quiet start to their day. And then um, at the end of the school year last year, they filled out feedback for their teachers, you know, to see who's coming back and what we're going to do again. And they all said, um, we don't skip school on knitting day. And the principal's like, okay, you're coming back every day. <laughs> like that this is oh, so cool. But so it's cool. It's like teaching cool. kids how to meditate too, you know, it just how is. to be still. Yes. It's so cool. And even the kids who are like, I'm not doing that. They, they totally come around, you know, and I just have a real relaxed, you know, environment and it's just so neat to see them create. And then they would get credit for making things and they would give them to homeless shelters and stuff like that. So it was like, so neat. Mm. Very yeah. cool. That must very be very, cool. yeah, very I rewarding. Passing it to new generations, you know, that's so neat to have these hobbies carried on by kids who are like, I would never do that, you know? It's oh cool. yeah. Right. Um, that's so cool. So, okay. So when are you coming to Austin? <laughs> cause, cause I really heard that part that you said that when you said that you travel to other cities, right? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. We, my could, family we could work something out. Road trip. Totally. We would totally drive down just a few hours. It's really right. cold. It's really cold in Austin. It's 35. Oh. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Jen's like, I'm going on a warm vacation. To Texas. Right. You could go spin. You could go swimming in Barton Springs today. Well, now do you know, this is totally, I am going on a tangent, but do, do you know Vicki Howell who? Yes. Okay. So you yes, do I know do. Vicki Howell. Who's so Vicki Howell? Have, I don't know her. We have a kind of a, in the knitting, I guess she's famous in the knitting world, correct? Yes. And she has a new book that's really good. Well, I don't know Vicki Howell personally, but I have seen her in like, you know, I've seen her out and about. She's yeah. also friends with Kelly Deal, by the way, because I did see her I at the know. Breeder Show like about less than a year ago. But um, she, uh, she, she kind of, she started some really cool sort of craft movements here in Austin in the early 2000s up yeah. to about the mid 2000s. And, um, so I followed her for a long time, again, always on the periphery of the knitters, not, not knitting. <laughs> yeah. She's bringing, um, Diva Zappa to the little knittery in LA this Friday. And I'm dying that I cannot be there to go because Diva, Diva Zappa, who is Frank Zappa's daughter, 
has a scarf she's been knitting for 10 years. What? The scarf is named Emilio and it is going to be like a mile long. And I'm not kidding. There's a picture of it on my Instagram. What the heck? I'm going to your Instagram right now. (laughs) (laughs) Like the second picture in. Oh, I saw it. I saw it when I was looking. Yes. Yeah. I want to be there so badly, but I can't, I mean, I can't just go to LA, but (laughs) I wish. Yeah. Yeah. It looked really cool. It was all wrapped around her, right? Like some of, some parts of it. Yeah. Obviously not the mile, but. So cool. Okay. Now you're getting me on trade. Okay. So let's, let's just, um, how, has your art or your creativity played a role in your sobriety and recovery? Like how have you made those two things kind of intersect? Cause that's kind of what we love to talk about on the show. Yes. I think it always has been there. It's always been trying to help me. I swear as a mm-hmm. child, um, like all my hard times I was painting and drawing and creating and hiding out in my room. Um, it's always, that's like the true me that I sometimes tried to cover up or I lost it, you know, at different times in my life. And it's always been there. And I need, I don't know, that's like the thing that keeps me, me. Um, and yeah, knitting is the ultimate sobriety tool. (laughs) It is Mm. the best hobby. It is something to do with your hands. It's a little busy work. It like switches my mind off, you know, or, you know, it will get me, if I'm feeling down or whatever, and and that just is my go-to thing. And so, yeah, I mean, art has always been there for me and has, you know, pulled me through these things. And I, every time I come back to it, it's just, it's the good thing that I need to embrace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I experienced have- that with, with um, embroidery, stitching, like anything and yeah. in, in doodling, like anything that just drops you, it, it, it grounds you in, in, uh, into the present moment yes yes it's like a working meditation right it's like a it's like very soothing and and Jolene Park who's been on our show has talked to how she knitting has been part of her recovery I have a friend named Jessica that that's part of her recovery I know is is um is knitting um how so how have you married like you've created something with your friends right locally yes can you share with our listeners yeah Totally. This is, this is huge to a bunch of us too. And I really believe there's something to this. Um, because yeah, it, knitting is like a meditation. It's like a daily, nightly ritual. It's just, it's, um, I don't know. Um, so I belong to a local sober knitting group that we call the booze free knitting bee. And we meet every week, sometimes twice a week. So two of my friends started this and it was right before I got sober. And it's just a bunch of, we're, it's a, there's a bunch of friends that we all do different creative things. Um, we just have a really good creative and musical community here in, in the city, but we all kind of know each other and we didn't know each other that well back then, but these two friends created a group and they just met and they would knit and talk about how they were sober. And then it became four people. And I think maybe I was the fifth or sixth person to join because by then I'm like, oh my gosh, I have this safe place to land. Like I have... Mm-hmm all the stuff I've been reading. I'm not doing this alone. My best friend is sober. This is, I mean, that's huge. Who has that? And then she's also in this group called the booze free knitting beat, which we named later. So yeah, now it's like up to maybe 50 some people. What? That is amazing. (laughs) It's only word of mouth. You only get invited in by another friend. You have to be sober. 
Um, those are basically our only rules. We don't let you come in if you're still drinking. I mean, it's, we want to welcome people who are, you know, on the, on the verge or, you know, whatever, but we, we keep it pretty safe for us. Um, we just knit in a circle. We talk, we take turns. And if you don't want to talk about sobriety, you can talk about what you're knitting or you can pass. Um, but we all talk about our sobriety. (laughs) I have so many questions. I have chills. Like when you just said that that's what you created. It's this so is amazing. Beautiful. We are so lucky. And it's like the, the coolest thing. And we have so many people who are coming up on two years or a, a year, two years. I mean, big, it's really successful. And none of us can explain it. It's the knitting. It's the people, but it's totally the knitting. Yes, <laughs> it is. I, I believe you. I believe yeah. you when you tell me this, because I mean, this is why we started this whole thing is because we believe that creativity can and should be so essential to getting and staying sober. Now, do, where do you have the, where do you, where's, what's the location? I'm, I need logistics. Yeah. It, started at, <laughs> it started at a little coffee shop called Grounds for Celebration and we would meet there and it was kind of this little dark place and we'd knit in the corner and just like, we'd kind of hush, hush, whisper it. Now we're more like, Eh, loud about it <laughs> like loud and proud like who cares they all know we're here but um and and yeah a lot of people who join don't actually knit at first we teach them I offer to teach anybody so I'm kind of like the teacher of the group whatever but anybody can learn from anybody but um we have turned like probably 25 different people into knitters <laughs> whether wow. they plan it or not and you do, you do not have to knit to join our group you can come sit and you can or you could you know, crochet or embroider or do whatever you want. If you want to do something else, that's fine. But yeah, now we meet in the little restaurant. It's really funny. It's an acai restaurant and they have this huge space in the back that almost looks like a backyard with little lights and stuff. And it has a ton of chairs and they have been really supportive of us. And so we just meet there because it's kind of a closed off space where we can really talk. Right. Okay. So do you take dues or there do, I mean, do you have to pay Zero. extra for your meeting place? Zero, nothing. Yeah. Okay. okay. Do you buy drinks from them? Do you buy things yeah. from the establishment. We yeah. We buy a coffee and acai bowls and we meet every Sunday morning. And Got it. I, I want to go to Des Moines. Wow. Yes, you do. I really <laughs> I want to do. Go. Okay, <laughs> this this is this is huge, Jen. I would love it. I mean, if you feel like you're okay with it, like to share this in our, our unruffled Facebook group. This is. Absolutely. I'm sure people after they listen to this are going to just have some questions because the thing is, like lately, I've been I've been doing this thing where, and Sandra, this is what we did with this podcast. If you build it, they will come. Is what came to me, right? Like we yes. we Iowa. decided. That's right? Iowa. <laughs> Cornfields? Field that dreams. is Iowa. <laughs> and see, the thing is, though, it doesn't always work out that way, though. That's, that's, mm. I'm going to be the contrarian here. It doesn't, if sure. you build it, they don't always come. But when they do, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's yeah. Wait, hold on. <laughs> you're my realist. You're, I'm dreamy right now. Field of dreams. No, you're right. You're right. But the fact that it has grown organically to 50 plus. That is mm-hmm. amazing. We That's found amazing, Jen. We found our people. Yeah, and you I did. Want, I want people to know you can find your people. If we found our people, we didn't know these people a year yeah. ago. Like it's it's bizarre, but you can find other painters and other people who sew and other people who love art 
in your community and there's totally sober people there or people who want to be sober or people you can help through mm -hmm. it is sharing your creativity sharing that thing you love to do together and then talking about your sobriety too mm -hmm. it's service I, work yeah it's and spreading I think, it yeah I think one of the key components of this and the reason why it probably works so well is because it, what you said earlier about knitting being so transportable, it's almost like, it's almost like parallel play, you know, for like toddlers yeah. or whatever, you know, cause you can just bring your little thing and you can work um, in tangent with other people. So it's, uh, you know, like for me as a sewer, unless I'm hand sewing, you know, it's not an activity I can do with other people. And sometimes that's the way with like painting or, you know, like a, some other yep. thing, some other creative acts don't lend themselves super well to this kind of a structure, but knitting, crocheting, any sort of lap work, I think. Yes. Would. You don't have to have eye contact. All of us are introverts. All of yes. us don't like social things. None of us wanted to go the first time. Like this is, we, we've all laughed about this so many times. Nobody wants to come. Nobody right. wants to look at anybody and nobody wants to talk until you get there. And then you can't wait to talk. Right. <laughs> Just okay. like a 12 step meeting. <laughs> yeah. Now do you, let, do you allow men or is it just women? Just women right now. Got yeah. it. Yeah. Feel mm -hmm. safe. Yeah. 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 This is incredible. We're a this so is cool. so cool, Jen. Yeah, thank, thank you for sharing that with us. Like this is really motivating and like Here, exciting. Here's, here's what else yeah. I like about this, that it's word of mouth. So then you don't have to, it's that attraction, not promotion kind of thing. You don't have to advertise. You don't have to have a website dedicated to it. You yeah. don't have to like screen people. It's, it's people you trust with a friend of another friend in the group. Yeah, we haven't had any trouble with that. I mean, it's all, it's all good. We just have new friends, so many new sober friends that it's just ridiculous. Like, so cool. It's I mean, amazing. I mean, have other hobbies, like pottery. And there's a bunch of people who would do really cool things and musicians and everything. So it's become just this cool thing. And I want to stress, I did not, this is totally not my idea. It was two, two friends of mine, my best friend, Emily, and then my friend, Kim, that started this. But I um, am so proud to be part of this group. And yeah, I want to shout to the rooftops, like find your people. Yeah. Hang out. <laughs> okay. Well, don't be surprised then if by this time next year I am a knitter and I have it and I have a boost free knitting being awesome. <laughs> yes. Okay. I will come teach you. I will teach a workshop or whatever. I'll teach anybody who wants to know. I love right? sharing knitting. Um, I really think it's a cool hobby with sobriety. I think it's just beautiful. It really goes hand in hand. This is good. Uh, so good on so many levels. Um, okay, well, we could sit talking about that for a much longer, but you've just created the thing that you needed, you know, your friends, you know, you, you created yeah. it by showing up, Jen, and expanding the circle, yeah. right? Or the B, or I don't know how you guys sit, but I'm imagining, I'm yeah, imagining five. a circle in my brain. <laughs> yeah. Five. Um, okay, so Obviously, this is a positive, great thing. You're about a year and a half. So, uh, well, you're more than a year and a half. Because I'm, yeah. I'm having my sobriety birthday in February. So we're not that far away. But can nice. you share a little bit about how you are thriving in your life without alcohol? I mean, now that you've been living it and consistently and knowing like that you don't have to drink it again. Yeah. Um, the clarity is huge and the sleep is huge. Huge. <laughs> um, I can focus so much better and I have really put myself out there 
and the opportunities have presented themselves, I feel like it's not a coincidence. Um, this is knitting season and I just put out three different books like within a month in September. Wow. Um, two of them with Rowan Yarns, which is a huge yarn company, one of the best and biggest um, out of the UK. And they actually even flew to Des Moines to shoot photos for one of my books, which I couldn't even believe. Like, wow, <laughs> that is so cool. And then I've been working with Mason Dixon Knitting, who they are also two of my knitting heroes. It's Kay and Anne, and they have been pen pals on a blog since 2003. And they are like knitting gods. <laughs> Everybody wow. looks up to them and respects them. And we just did a book as well with Rowan Yarns, so kind of a collaboration um, like a holiday gifting book called Big Joy. It's a field guide. They have field guides they put out all year, and I was honored to be their holiday girl. Awesome. <laughs> so cool. So this fall has been going really well. Fall and winter is kind of knitting, yeah, season, and it's been going better than ever. Mm. You have any regrets? Zero regrets. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Isn't that nice? Like it's this beautiful surprise, like, yeah, that we wish we could have known just a little, you know, just known that it was going to be okay. You know, we're kind of you know checking it out beforehand, reading all the blogs, but to know that so much was waiting for you on this side. Yeah. Who knew? Yeah. I didn't even think about that. I couldn't even get there in my mind. I couldn't wrap my brown brain around that at all. When I well, was and I always to... say you would have sold yourself short. I would have sold myself <laughs> short anyway. Huh? Yeah. So it was best just to be surprised. Yeah, you're right. So making these books, like it must take a lot of your energy and time as well. Do you have a system for that, Jen? Or how you like dream up a concept for a book? Because you have seven books, so that's a lot. Yeah. Um, like, let's, can we talk just maybe your first one? How did that come to be? Yes. Um, have you guys heard of the 100 Day Project? Yes. Yes. Yep. That's how that first book came to be. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I challenged myself. I had been wanting to do a book forever and I wanted to self-publish it. And it was just my little dream, just for myself. Um, this is back in 2015. And I really just wanted to see if I could do it. So I'm a graphic designer. I knew I had that part and I really love doing graphic design, but also the making. So I knitted all the knits and I made a collection and it's kind of like Project Runway where some things didn't make the cut and I would just pick the best of the best I got my amazing photographer here locally and got local models and we put the whole thing together here in Des Moines and then I laid it out on my computer at home and then I found a way to publish it to Amazon and make it available widespread you know that's kind of the way to go and then I made this little secret goal that if I could get this book into a store in New York City and a store in Los Angeles like a yarn shop that would be like success to me. And all of those things happened, you know, and more. Wow. So, and it was just me like emailing yarn stores, like, would you like to see my book? And then we're <laughs> taking it with me when I would travel because I do attend a lot of yarn events and stuff like in New York city and stuff. I would just take it with me and shop it around a little bit just myself. And yeah. So Pearl Soho in New York city carries my books and like the little knittery in LA and um, fancy tiger in Denver. So in, in my mind, it's been a success before. And now I'm published by like a real publisher, but I made seven books on my own that I did myself that way. Wow. So when you say, yeah, <laughs> go ahead, Sandra. What, <laughs> what's the name of your first book? 
It's called Weekend, and it's all knits that you can make in a weekend. Ah. Okay, I'm going to all this down. <laughs> <laughs> and so it would take me like a whole year to put a book together. So I would knit the things, like, you, like I was saying, and weed out the bad ones, write the patterns. I have a tech editor that would check the patterns, and then I would lay the whole thing out, do the photography, the photo shoot, all that stuff with a photographer, get the balls, put it all together, yeah, and put it on Amazon and on my website. So when you say, so just because I'm, because I've tried to make a couple of little books and I've done them through blurb, but how do you make a book and put it on Amazon? I mean, I know that's probably, I could Google that, but just like, sure. just for our listeners who are thinking like, well, that sounds impossible. Of course she can do it. She's written all these books, but your first time, you know, the first time you're doing it, did you just feel like, I want to get it out there. So I need to make it myself and like put it up there. Yes. And I was really a control freak and I wanted to do the graphic design myself and I wanted to know exactly how the photos were going to be. And I wanted control over the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So I had to research all that. I had to find it on the internet and I looked up, you know, like, how do you get a book on Amazon? And back then they had their own Amazon company who you could go through. It's called create space and you could upload your files there and they would check it for you and then they'd you'd pick a paper stock and all that fun stuff and then it would just magically you'd click it and it would go online after they approved it and they would just print it and, ma and mail it for you mm -hmm. and now it's called kdp which is through kindle it's like the same thing okay. they work for amazon so anybody can really do this right it's, so it's, cool. it's a lot of work and make it sound simple it is kind of difficult it's like you have to have some graphic design knowledge to put the sure. thing together correctly sure but anybody really truly can do this that's so amazing well I, see that's what i love too like so even so you've been obviously very prolific with your knitting and your book writing um and you were doing that while you were still drinking so you clearly could yeah. get shit done right but now do you feel like a super <laughs> like 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 everything is just amplified, like you're going to set the world on fire probably is how you feel. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't think so? I, I mean, know. because if you were that productive, I was very productive back in the day, but yeah. I don't know how I did it sometimes. And I look back and I'm like, how did I do that? Because now yeah. it's just like, I can't stop with the ideas. You know, I have an idea book where I have to put all my ideas because there's so many that I need to execute a few before I move on to the, to the next ones. You know, but now I can, yeah. I know I will. Totally. Clarity, like you said, you know, and motivation. Yeah. And follow through. <laughs> yeah. The most important. Yeah. Oh, and Jen, this has been so fantastic. Like I've learned so much. Good. Yeah. Um, do you have more questions, Sandra, before we move on to the three things? I, I don't. I mean, I, th I have a feeling that Jen and I are going to meet up someday in real life and we're going to knit will. together. <laughs> I will totally drive down and knit with you. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I love to share this hobby. You have no idea. I will drive down. <laughs> All right. Let me know when that happens, ladies. Okay. <laughs> and okay. we travel to California a lot for spring break. <laughs> well, Northern California, we have a great um, place that sells yarn called uh, Castaway. Ooh. And I just saw them this weekend at the Maker's Fair that I went to. Um, and my friend Jessica, who knits, like, just to see all the beautiful, like, I, I still don't have the calling to knit, but I have the calling to have all the little felt balls and a jar on my desk. I have a, the big, thick yarn, you know, that they're making those big cowls with. Like, I just wanted to touch everything. Totally. You can come. I'll, yeah, I'll take you there. 
Um, okay, so this part of the show um, is where you get to share three items from your Unruffled Toolbox, which could be um, creatively creative-focused or something that helps you with your sobriety or both, or um, that we share with our listeners, like some tools that are working in your life right now. What's yeah. your first item? Um, yeah, I made a list of things like this in my notes app on my phone the night before I quit drinking. And <laughs> I still go look at that list. It's like mm. I, it's such a smart thing that you guys, and I think I got that from you guys. Um, my number one thing, it might sound selfish, but I am an introvert and I need alone time. Um, it sound, grounds, no. <laughs> it grounds me, <laughs> it recharges me. It's calming. I just need quiet sometimes. And I love my family to death. I really, really, really love my children and everything. But sometimes I just totally need a break and just quiet time so I can think. And that's huge for me. Yeah. I call it putting myself in a timeout. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Even if it's like a run to Target, I just, yeah. Right. I'll take it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. My number two thing will not surprise anybody, and that's knitting, because that can snap me pretty much out of anything. So sobriety-wise, it fits all the, the, the needs, honestly. Knitting is just my perfect thing. It really is. And what is your last thing? What's your third item? Um, I would say reading, moving, yoga, you know, going on walks, just breathing. If I get in a downward facing dog, I can kind of snap out of things too. That really is kind of like a reset for me and like essential oil roll-ons. That's kind of all lobbed into one thing for me. <laughs> those are all the things. Yeah. No, those are all good. Oh yeah. Well, gosh, thank you so much for coming on the show, Jen. I learned a lot. I didn't know anything about knitting um, when wow. I started researching you and looking at all of your things. And um, it just really excited me because it's such a beautiful, um, colorful um, hobby as well and functional, totally functional, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, mm. well, I feel, I feel lucky that we got to chat with you and I'm so happy that you're part of our group. Same, yeah. same. I loved our conversation. Oh. Yeah. And I forgot to say, like, when I found you guys, I was like, oh my gosh, creative people, they're sober. I've lost my mind. So <laughs> you. that was, that was really early in my recovery. And I, I was so excited and grateful to find my little rebel creatives, you know, in your group. <laughs> so thank you. And I'm so grateful for this show and the work you two are doing to connect the sobriety and the arts. So thank you for having me. Thanks. We're happy about it. I wanted to say real quick um, for, for you, Jen, and then also for our listeners in our secret Facebook group, um, we have a day that we call creative share Friday that we encourage the people in that group to share and self-promote like anything that you make money from. So if you have a book, Jen, or if you have a new pattern coming out yeah. to, um, to promote that on Fridays in the group. And, okay. but, but we also want to say people can share works in progress, things that you're working on um, creatively in the day to day that you want to share or a blog post that you found that was interesting or a book that, or a podcast you listen to. Like you don't have to just share on Fridays, which I think maybe some people have maybe think that that's only on Fridays. If you make money from what you do, you know, if, you, if that's what you're promoting. Otherwise we want to hear all week long what people are doing and making and if they went to a knitting bee, you know what I mean? Like our yeah. knitting circle. So yeah, feel free to do that anytime, Jen, on Fridays to self-promote your, what you're um, creating and putting out into the world. Okay. Cool. Yeah. And where, how can people find you? 
Yeah, I'm just at www.jengeigley.com. It's J-E-N-G-E-I-G-L-E-Y. And I'm Jen Geigley on YouTube, Jen Geigley on Instagram. I do have those free knitting videos on YouTube that will take you from start to finish how to knit and how to purl. And then I've got sweater making videos and all kinds of stuff that go along with my books. So if you get stuck on something, there's like a tutorial for you. So I'm mm. really excited to share that with everybody and anybody that I can. So exciting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Jen. This is awesome. I am so glad we did the open call in our group and I am so glad that you were the first one up to do this. So thank you. Have a good rest of your day. You too. Thanks. Bye. The Unruffled Podcast was created and produced by Sandra Primo and Tammy Salas. Our show is edited and mixed by Steve Hecht. Original music composed and performed by Caitlin Schumacher. Original artwork created by Tammy with the help of graphic designers Chris Aguirre and Amy Lanier. Thanks for listening.